0: Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We start a new teaching series this week called What About? and we'll be looking for answers to your questions about spooky season. How are we to view it and how are we to live in the midst of it? Join us as we investigate scripture and history to live faithfully to God. And so today our the title is What About... Spooky season. Because let's be honest, even though today is the traditional Halloween, there's a whole length of period of time that that, that people seem to celebrate it and things. And what do we do with it as as God would like us to do? And I, I wanted to begin our time, our time of teaching, by sharing with you a story, a firsthand account that sort of relates to the spooky season. When I was younger, I was talking to, to somebody, I don't know who it was, it was an adult, I'm pretty sure, and uh, there was a house about a mile away from us. It was always a weird looking house, but nothing overly weird. They always had the, you know, the Christmas candles, the electric candles, was there year round. So you'd walk, you'd, you'd drive by and like, oh, that's sort of nice and eerie and things like that. And this person began to tell me that... They knew the owner of that house. And that owner of the house basically shared a number of stories with this person that that house is a little weird. Things would move from position to position and doors would open and close while they were downstairs watching television. It's a very eerie thing, right? And of course, I'm not experiencing this, so I'm just taking it in. I'm a kid, "Mm -hmm, Okay, this is interesting, okay. So I then tell my dad about this story that I'm told, and as I keep on telling him about this experience that other people have, that the owners have in this house, his, like, sort of the color (laughs) disappears from his face, and his face shifts a little bit into a frown, and he, he tells me, oh, I just gotta chill, and I'm like, why, and he goes, well, When I was a kid, there was a fatal car accident that happened right in front of that house. That was the end of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But you can guess that we were sort of connecting the two stories together, maybe. Is this really the case? All of us, at some point or another, have experienced an experience personally, or have heard an experience from somebody else, of something that has happened that isn't really explained very well via science, and seems to dabble in the paranormal, or the supernatural, right? We have, and we have an entire industry dedicated to talking about these stories. If you've ever watched a film that says based on or inspired by, which I don't know the difference, There's there's some legal difference. One is actually more factual, and one is they took one little detail and made a movie from it. Uh, (laughs) But we have an entire industry that, that examines this paranormal, these sort of fears that we have as humans. Because we've either experienced something, or we have maybe made up something in our minds about something. If there's anything about the paranormal that I want to be real, it's Sasquatch. I really want Sasquatch to be real. And it I mean it's it's rational. I mean we we're still discovering species. Why wouldn't there be a 10-foot furry primate walking in the Pennsylvania woods, right? Why not? But we have plenty of experiences we've heard. We have places that do tours of spooky places and say this or that. What do you do with this as a Christian? What do you do with this as a person who believes in God, who created us and sustains us and gives us a way of life by sending His Son who died and then rose again from the grave. Oh, that's right. We have pieces of our faith that science doesn't like. (laughs) We believe in a Savior who rose again from the grave. And we read in the Scriptures that we have that 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 Savior, that man, historical man, cast out some paranormal entities in the day and age. So what do we do with these stories that we hear? What do we do with our own lives about it? Do we need to worry about it? Do we need to, what do you do with it? That's what today is all about. And I'm really thankful for each of you who sent me a question. Uh, There are about, I think, six or seven questions. And a number of them were very similar to each other. So I've combined them into three. So here are the three questions that we're going to answer today as best as we can. Don't think that this is going to be complete comprehensive. Are there ghosts supernatural slash paranormal beings in the world? What about fantasy games? And is today, Halloween, evil? And can a Christian participate at all? These are the three questions we're going to look to... To answer, we're, we're, a lot of this is gonna come from, from Scripture. And uh, so sit back and be ready. There's a lot, we're gonna cover a lot here. So, uh, first of all, before we get to the questions, I wanted to share with you a few things that we find in Scripture. Scripture is made up of the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Old Testament is also the Hebrew Bible. Those who are Jewish today and, and those who practice Judaism still follow those scriptures to this day. And so it's, Christianity is, is the, the, the next piece, the branch that God has moved in. And so in, we'll start with the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, I want to share this with you. The, the writers had three understandings, three realms of reality, okay? They believed in the heavens. Guess who lives in the heavens? God. God and any other folks who hang out with him like angels, right? Then there is the realm of the living. Guess who lives there? Hi, (laughs) us. Yes, exactly. And then lastly, they believed in a realm of the dead. It was called Sheol, Now, if you're thinking that this is like the equivalent to what we think of like hell, it's not, actually. Those who were dead were dead. They didn't really have an immense amount of influence or things like that. They were pretty indifferent, and they didn't really have the opportunity to worship God anymore, because they were not living anymore. And as the Old Testament writers had this worldview they also had other religions and other pagan rituals and things like that around them that would dabble with the realm of the dead god knew this and so when god was moving the people of israel out of slavery and into their land he gave them the law and still to this day we reference the law as christians and judaism looks to the law and the prophets to understand who God is. And so a big piece of it was Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 18, we read these words. Okay, There must not be anyone among you who passes his son or daughter through fire, who practices divination as a sign reader, fortune teller, sorcerer, or spellcaster, who converses with ghosts or spirits or communicates with the dead. All who do these things are detestable to the Lord. Why is this? Because there are people who do this. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, you understand that God has redeemed these people to be different. Different from everything else. And so he is very clear throughout the law about how they are to live. This is where we get our understanding of don't steal and don't covet and don't murder and don't do these different kinds of things. God, who lived in the heavens, seemed to be very concerned about his people living well and to concentrate on that life he has given to them. And for them to do this, they were to rely on him for every piece. And so every do or do not was to be followed because this is what God basically said to them. This is the life that you've always been created to live. So when they read this, when they hear these words, they're understanding that they are to be different than everybody else. Don't practice divination. Don't go talking to the dead. Don't go be looking for these things. It's not good. Focus on me and the life I give you. Pretty simple, right? As things move forward, we get more and more understandings of paranormal things, though. Satan is referenced a lot more as you go further into the Old Testament. Demons sort of become a thing in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And by the time Jesus comes onto the scene, we're reading in Gospels that Jesus is casting out demons. Casting out demons. There is an account where Jesus is in the desert with Satan himself. And you begin to wonder, where is all this coming from? It seems like Scripture is pointing us to other Entities, other beings that seem to be going against what God wants to do in the world. So to understand Satan and demons, it's really important to know what Satan's name means. You ready? It's pretty simple. The accuser. The obstructor. The adversary. That's all his name means. Like legitimately. And if you take that to the literal understanding of that, you begin to recognize that Satan's work tries to obstruct what God's doing. Satan's work is adversary to God's working. But the one thing that's really interesting to me is the accuser part. Because accuser is almost this understanding that he digs up the wrongs of every person. He digs up. He's looking for you to trip up as a human. He, is Satan, which, if you want to take that literal and then you think of entities that are currently in the world that aren't demonic or anything, you might say, wow, they're very satanic. <laughs> Demons were seen in the Old Testament to cause illness. They were also the reason for violent behavior, sometimes illnesses, blindness, muteness, physical disabilities, and seizures. And I think the really interesting part about that is that sometimes people over this and they say, well, Demons in the New Testament were all about all the things that we've understood in medical science today. And there might be some truth to that. You ever gone to a doctor and they test you, 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 they test you and they'll just say, You have this. Why do you think I have this? Well, we can't figure out anything else, so that's what it is. <laughs> Maybe there was a little bit of that happening in the ancient world. We can't explain this sickness, we can't explain this, so it's a demon. There might be something to that. But what about in the moments when people are out of their mind? What about these moments where they are speaking in really weird ways and things like that? The Bible says that there's demons. But here's the cool thing about this. Any time Jesus or the disciples or the apostles were in the presence of a demon in Scripture... They were not fearful. You hear that? They were not fearful. You know why? Because God says to them, You are able to cast out demons and Satan in my name. And on the day that Jesus rose from the grave, because remember, Jesus died completely, and Satan thought he got it. I won. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you didn't, Satan. He lost. Satan has lost. There is no reason to fear Satan. There is no reason to fear demons in this world if they manifest themselves in paranormal ways. Because you and I have been given the ability to cast them out with Jesus Christ's name. And that's good news, y'all. That's really good news. So do not fear the things that we're talking about. Because Jesus is the healer and Jesus has defeated Satan. Just because Satan is still hanging out and doing stuff doesn't mean that he's not defeated. Every single army in every war has continued fighting after they had already lost. Just remember that. There's no reason to fear him. How this fleshes out a little bit, friends, we receive some words from Paul and from Peter regarding these forces. You see Jesus cast them out, but then you you wonder, like, okay, what does this mean for us? Because we aren't Jesus. (laughs) We're not all the Son of God. And Paul begins to share that these forces act in ways, sure, that are paranormally, but also in very normal ways. In Ephesians chapter 6, Verses 11 and 12, we read this, and we've got it for you. Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. The fact that Paul puts all of them together is a very interesting thing. Guess what, y'all? Satan works through the very normal things we see in this world. The stuff that people say, oh yeah, that's just the way it is and we're allowed to do this or do that. If God has said no, that's Satan talking right there. See, the, po- the powers of Satan and the demons of this world don't always manifest itself in exorcist ways. They manifest it in just compl—just Complacency. A spirit of indifference to the poor and to the the hurting, that's a spirit from Satan, y'all. So we need to recognize that there are great forces at work that don't always look so dramatic as casting out demons like we see in Scripture. Peter gives one other warning in 1 Peter 5. Verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, is on the prowl like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. How do you be sober-minded? How do you be watchful? You trust Jesus. Trust what His promises are. There's no reason to fear Satan. There's no reason to fear demons. There's no reason to fear forces of darkness because Jesus has won. He has defeated sin and death. He's defeated Satan and his powers, in his ministry, in his resurrection. Amen? That's the good news. So with all of that, okay, we can start looking at these questions. Okay? So that first question, somebody asked, somebody, somebody did it this way. Is there any other ghosts other than the Holy Ghost? Which I really appreciated. That 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 framing, um, because some people call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost, and the only reason was that that the only reason for that name is because we English speakers like to complicate things. Have you ever tried to buy something by yourself? That's right. I use two words that are spelled differently and they're pronounced the same way. English is terrible, y'all. I don't know how we do it. Uh, <laughs> but are there ghosts? Are there paranormal beings in the world? And scripture would allude to yes. But I think the thing of the difference is that there's a difference between what we understand as ghosts and what we understand as demons. Demons aren't ghosts. Demons are entities of Satan. Ghosts, in the traditional sense, is usually somebody who's passed on and they are still present in some kind of way. There's a very interesting story in 1 Samuel 28. Saul is the outgoing king. Saul has not done what God has told him to do. Saul has lost his mentor, Samuel. And everything is falling apart for Saul. Saul is very afraid. And he's like, I need to figure out what's going on. I need to talk to Samuel. Samuel. So what he does is even though the law says, don't go and practice divination, don't go and talk to the dead, he goes to a person who practices divination and says, I need to talk to somebody. Would you bring up Samuel for me? And the, and the divinator, the, I don't know what the exact word, divinator maybe, uh, the divination practicer even says, uh, don't you know we're not supposed to do this? <laughs> no, 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 you'll be fine, Okay. And so there is a story about him talking to Samuel's ghost in 1 Samuel 28. Now, here's the deal. Saul in no way is to be taken as a model of right action. (laughs) Believe it or not, there are a lot of people in the Bible who do the wrong thing. And Saul does the wrong thing. But we have this story That seems to say that, well, maybe there is something to that. I can tell you this the question of are there ghosts of people hanging around? I'm just going to go ahead and say, I don't know. I know that there are demons in the world. Are there ghosts? I don't know. I have not experienced it, I've heard stories all those different kinds of things. But what I do worry about is that the question of I don't know becomes an action to say, hey, let's mess around with us and find out. And that's the thing. God is very clear. Rely on me. Focus on life. It's hard enough to love God and love your neighbor as yourself Then if you add other entities into it. You know what I mean? We are called to follow him in our relationships with each other. And just like I shared with you, with you earlier, if Sasquatch is, is real, it would be very unwise for me if I'm hanging out at a campsite one night in the woods and I hear something off in the distance like, it's Sasquatch, and I start running. I might die. <laughs> because if it is Sasquatch, yes, but it also could be a bear. The reality is is God tells us not to focus on the dead. And even Jesus says, hey, come follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. So I will tell you that as a person of faith, don't mess with this stuff. The people who have experienced things when it comes to ghosts and demons... I've heard stories of trauma that has lasted for a very long time. So Don't do it. Don't go into these places. Because God is pretty clear about it with His people. And may we live into that. Peter Bellini says this. I, I love this. Peter Bellini is a pastor who's in a healing ministry. Colossians 1.16 states that the Son of God created all things visible and invisible. When we acknowledge the doctrine of creation and Holy Writ, we are admitting a worldview that encompasses both material and spiritual realities. Scripture is filled with accounts of a divine agency working in both the invisible and the visible worlds. And we also note invisible beings such as angels and demons working in the visible world. Yet above all, Christ on the cross has defeated the power of the devil. We do not fear demons, and he has given us his power and authority to set captives free and put the enemy under our feet. In the name of Jesus Christ, you can drive out demons, y'all. It's not like the exorcist. Granted, I've heard there's been experiences like that. But always beware of people saying that you have to do this or I have to be the one to do this. Beware of those people. Because there's a lot of people in Scripture and today that are grifters. And they're looking to make money off of you. Don't trust it. Rely on God and live in the realm of the living. Live out the ways He has called us to live. Speaking of living, when we live, we have fun. There's games in the world. Some of us love playing sports. Those are games. Some of us like to play games that are not, not athletic, but require Our strategy, our cards, and all these different kinds of things. And somebody asked me, can we play fantasy games like Dungeons & Dragons or Magic the Gathering or these other strategy games that they talked about? And I'm here to tell you this. These games are fictional and they're strategy games. There's nothing involved trying to attempt to contact the other side or anything of those things. So, yeah, it's fine but I have a word of warning. There are people who live for certain kinds of entertainments that dabble with the spiritual. Ouija boards, stay away from those. Tarot cards, palm reading, psychics. Some are just nonsense. Some people really do practice trying to speak to the other side. And in the same way, the command that God gives His people should remain the same for us. Don't dabble in these entertainments. And quite frankly, a lot of this has to do with, hey, I want to know what's coming up. I want to know the future. God always says, rely on me. Don't worry about tomorrow. Be content with what I give to you. So don't dabble in Luigi boards. Don't dabble in tarot. Don't dabble in these things. But fantasy games? Pokemon? No, there's nothing wrong with that. If you watch Harry Potter here or there, there's nothing there's nothing malicious about Harry Potter. Their incantations are not incantations. They're just Latin words. That's all they are. Like, literally, you look up the Latin word, and you're like, oh, okay. So they're just saying, hey, float, in Latin. That's all they're doing. <laughs> nothing real about that. But these other things that look to speak to the spiritual side, stay away from them. Not because you're fearful, but because God has told us not to mess with it. Last but not least, the question of the day is, what about Halloween? It's Halloween today, everybody. Did you know that? Somebody asks, is Halloween evil? And my response to that is this. And you're going to repeat this after me. So repeat after me. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. This This day isn't more evil than other days. This is the day that God has given you and I live has given everybody to live To even those who commit evil this is a day for them to live that God has given it's not an evil day okay now do are there people who practice a little bit more evil on this day maybe though I would probably venture to say that there's probably a lot more evil on all the other days that we don't see (laughs) We've made a big deal about it. But the reality of it is this day is not more evil than any other day. In fact, Halloween, the celebration, has some sacred roots. It also has some pagan roots. Let me share with you a very brief history of Halloween. You ready? The church started in the Middle East. It then moved to Rome, and it also moved east. But because we're Western people, we always talk about Western history a lot. And so as the Roman Catholic Church began to move west, they encountered a number of people who had some pagan festivals. In particular, the Gaelic culture celebrated a festival called Samhain. Sam Hain is the creepy stuff. There's some creepy stuff around Sam Hain. If you look at what they do, yeah, you yeah, know. But really, the reason why they celebrated it was because guess what? October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd. It starts getting really dark outside, does it not? You'd be amazed how often cultures put festivals around how much light we have. There is a pagan festival around December 25th called Yule. When the church encountered these things, they said, uh, this is not good. This is living into the, some of the things that God says not to do. So what they did was, is they made a holiday in correlation with these festivals. That's right. Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Sorry to burst your bubble. The reason why we celebrate Christmas is in December, is because there was a pagan festival that the church Christianized. And now we celebrate Jesus' birth. In the same way, Halloween, or what the church called it, All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day, 31st, 1st, 2nd, was a Christianizing of Samhain. And so the church began to celebrate the people who have gone before us, who has given us our faith. You and I did not come to faith by ourselves. We weren't just sitting around one day like a bump on a log and saying, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. There were people who embodied Christ to you. And so these celebrations literally are to celebrate those who have come before us, who brought us the faith. And that's sometimes remembering the people who have already passed on to the church triumphant. And it's still celebrated in the Catholic Church and in the Episcopal Church in a number of churches. This is still celebrated to this day. That's the the Cliff Notes version of Halloween. So there are some wonderful sacred parts to Halloween. But there's also those who thrive in the pagan part. Let's glorify death. Let's glorify monsters. Let's Be mischievous and all these different kinds of things. Knowing all of that, participating in Halloween means that we need to have not a dismissive approach, but a very nuanced conversation about who you are, who I am, and how we might be able to spread. Christ's light even if some people are doing some wrong things on a day. So first of all, can we participate in Halloween? There are three things I want us to consider. Your past, your intent, and your action. Your past, your intent, and your action. Okay? Because here's the deal. I shared with you earlier I have never had a paranormal experience, right? People have. People have experienced spiritual traumas. People have dabbled in witchcraft and Wiccan and dark arts and all these different kinds of things. And if you have done, if that's in your past and God has redeemed you from it, praise God. But be very careful about how the rest of the world might celebrate Halloween. Halloween might trigger those traumas. Halloween might trigger temptation to go back to these ways. Just like I would tell a recovering alcoholic don't go into a bar. Because these are going to trigger temptations. They are going to trigger traumas. So what does your past look like? Do you have spiritual trauma? Do you struggle? Or do you have a history of struggling with some of these dark forces that we've talked about? Maybe it's, it's good to put up a boundary and say, no. It's okay if you've done that to stay at home. But for those of us who do not have that past, I think it's very important that we do not separate ourselves. Because, remember, anytime time Jesus was in the presence of evil, what happened? He made it holy. The evil was driven away. Too often the church has taken a stay away from this! And at that, we have lost opportunities to share love with others who do not know him. So what does your past look like? If you have those traumas, it's good to put up those boundaries. If you don't, begin to lean into how God might use Halloween for good. How God might work through you to share his love in a world that doesn't all know his love. Personally, trick-or-treating is a great way to share love. You know why? The neighbors that you barely see come to your door. And kids come up to you and say, hey, I'm trusting you to give me something that's good. Good tasting, not good for your teeth, but you know what I mean. There is no greater like opportunity in the year to offer hospitality to your neighbor. So yeah, it's good. And actually trick-or-treating has roots in the sacred part of Halloween. Trick-or-treating started in England and Ireland. And uh, what would happen is uh, people would visit houses of wealthier families and receive pastries called soul cakes in exchange for a promise to pray for the souls of the homeowner's dead relatives. Now, they didn't have to do the transactional thing, but in the moment, those who are hungry are getting fed. There are some good roots to this. And so, what I've just said about trick-or-treating, we're gonna bring forth into action. But before we get to action, let's go to intent. If your intent on Halloween is to be intentionally mischievous, is to dress up in a way that would be promiscuous, to dress up in a way that would offend people, to dress up in a way that makes fun of other people. If you are planning on using Halloween as an opportunity to go and egg the neighbor's house, that intent is not not of God. That is the exact opposite of loving your neighbor. If your intent is to talk to the other side on Halloween, don't do it. Our intent needs to be life-giving, loving our neighbor, concentrating on the life, that we have, and the lives of those around us. And so because of that, we dress up differently as Christians. If you dress up like an animal, great. If you dress up like your favorite occupation, wonderful. If you dress up like Moana, I hope you're a girl. Uh, <laughs> these characters that inspire us, people who inspire us, but when you begin to cross a line to be, you know, do something that takes something that somebody can't change, that's when you're crossing a line. Don't do that. And don't glorify death. As Christians, the enemy of every human being is sin and death. Don't dress up in ways that glorify death. Dress up in ways that are life-giving. Participate with your neighbors. Turn that light on. Come out here to Fest. Get to know your neighbors. Love them. Share Christ with them. You don't even have to say anything about Jesus. Just the love that you have for that person can do immense things. And I think one other piece of action I think that we can begin to do is to reclaim a spirit of gratitude on this day the church used to the, the and uh, okay the church of the past and the church of today still celebrates those who have gone before us who has given us the faith it doesn't mean we're worshiping them but it is good to say thank you god for grandma thank you god for pastor who has gone before us thank you god For Peter and Paul and Stephen who died in your name and showed us what it means to have radical faith. Thank you, God, for how you have continued to move through history in the people who have come before us. There's an immense, there's a great thing that happens when you practice that. You realize that your faith is much bigger than yourself. And isn't that the truth? God has given us a faith that has redeemed the entire world. So friends, I hope some of these bring some clarity. And you might be like, I've got more questions now. And you're more than welcome to to ask more questions after the fact and things like that. But in this season of spookiness, there's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to fear. And there's no reason to intentionally go and put yourself in fear. Or to intentionally look to do things that would satisfy sinful inclinations. It is a season, though, to go to our neighbors and to love and to share the light of Christ, sharing his holiness and his love and his forgiveness like every other season, friends. So may we live faithfully to him in the days that we're in. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.